0: Thank you.
1: Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Zoltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So first, our big announcement. For folks who've been listening to the show for a while have heard about it, but folks who are new, welcome new listeners. We are now part of the Westwood One podcast platform, which is pretty exciting. We had somebody tweet us that they heard our promo on an Alabama country statement. Station, which is just oh my gosh are you serious yes i know isn't yes that, that's that so awesome? great i know pollsters really truly oh my gosh and blue that's amazing can share their love of polling <laughs> <laughs> so welcome everybody uh,
0: we will by the way for any new listeners from alabama i am a fellow sec Traveler. Yes. I'm a gator. Please listen to the show anyways. And rest assured that at the beginning of football season, I always make Margie do a segment on polling about football. Yes. So there's plenty in here for everyone.
1: Right. Exactly. Oh, I'm so excited about that. I know, right? (laughs) I know. I was pretty excited too. And that happened like right away, like a week after it, you know, a day after it all launched. So anyway, that's all super exciting. So welcome, folks. It's just that for people who've been listening to us since the beginning, our friends and family and colleagues and former and potential clients. We, um, it's going to be the same show just, you know, just now with a larger audience. So uh, thank you everybody for all the wonderful support and uh, hope you enjoy everything that we have to say. There's lots of political polling and non-political polling to talk about in now and in 2017 polling doesn't really take a holiday. So uh, what are the top lines?
0: This week's top lines, there may not have been a hidden Trump vote, but there was a shy Trump vote. What's the difference? We'll dig into some of the emerging data on what happened in this election and how the polls got it wrong. We'll also talk about the reality TV transition. Are people enjoying this unusual process? And how much are people concerned about things like Russia, WikiLeaks? We'll also take a look at the popularity of the popular vote and whether or not the GOP thinks California should even count in elections. Then the dog caught the car after Republicans have talked for a long time about repealing the Affordable Care Act. We'll take a look at what people want the health care world to look like in the event that the ACA is repealed. Republicans, like some of their leaders more than others, will take a look at who the prom king of the GOP is. And finally, you can give the gift of the pollsters because we'll look at polling that shows regifting is A-OK.
1: But first, our poll of the week. So our poll of the week is actually at the poll of last year, but it's amazingly relevant. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Dust, <laughs> dust in this old... old- Tweet off. So, Chris and I were at an event this week together and she said, "You know, I think there was a Kanye Trump poll from last year." I'm like, oh, "Cuz we've been doing the show for a year and a half." So, it's you know, we have a pretty good Breath of knowledge. I didn't recall. remember that it was my firm that did it. Well, that was the <laughs> funny thing. I'm like, oh, I think you're right. So I emailed somebody on my team back at the office. I'm like, I think there was a Trump-Kanye poll. Can you go dig it up? And they wrote back like, yes, it's Echelon's. <laughs> I'm like, oh, of course it is. That's right.
0: <sighs> totally, totally right.
1: Some genius last, last we year. We absolutely did that.
0: So yes, according to our study from August of 2015... Oh, man, what a different time that was. In our hypothetical Donald Trump versus Kanye West matchup, we had Trump leading 38 to 21 with 41 percent of Americans undecided. Trump did better with Kanye West among men. Um, He won uh, 41 percent of men, whereas he only won 36 percent of women in that matchup. Uh, But Kanye West also did better because women tended to be much more likely to be undecided on this bizarre, but actually not that bizarre anymore ballot test question. I know. I, I mean, I, that could... I, I, I'm <laughs> I'm now so... My sense of reality has been so broken by the last 18 months that it... Kanye then tweeted, hashtag 2024. Yeah. Now, that implies that he would not be running against the incumbent president.
1: That must have been a heck of a meeting.
0: Must have been a heck of a meeting. Um, Kanye a, heck West of did, a picture.
1: A heck of a picture. By the way,
0: uh, Trump... Uh, did much better among older folks than younger folks, but uh, Kanye West actually wins the 25 to 34 year old generational group. Older millennials prefer Kanye to Trump. Well, what do you? Everybody think, else picks Trump. I
1: mean, Trump is up one with 18 to 24 year olds. That's quite something. Maybe
0: that was foreshadowing that mm. Trump was going to do okay with young. I mean, he didn't do okay with young voters, but he, it would foreshadowing he do
1: worse. He yes. didn't do worse, huh? I like that Kanye <laughs> did best in the West. That Kanye West. Do you think that's because we're like, well, he's Kanye West. He he he's one of us. <laughs> he's Kanye West. Goes I will tell you. So I was not responsible for
0: writing this tweet at Kanye West's Strongest region is in the West, but <laughs> now that I'm reading it, I'm like. I think that was probably Christie at Echelon, and I need to give her a high five when I get back to the office. Yes, it's it's witty, and I was too too dense to pick it up. Yes, yeah, so, a year and a half ago.
1: <laughs> so not only was the Kanye Trump meeting kind of a ridiculous little bit of news this week, the year old poll about With Kanye old versus new again Trump. Is, is that even more ridiculous or just more awesome? So anyway, you decide. But um, meanwhile, there's still a lot of polling going on where people are trying to figure out, make sense of what happened in the election, what happened with the polling, what's happened with what people think is happening next for the country, what people even think happened with the results. So there, people are still trying to really make heads or tails of what happened. It's not just us. It's not just the folks who are listening. And we looked at the um, an article at the Monkey Cage blog at the Washington Post. And we have had John Sides, who helped start the Monkey Cage blog. We had him a guest on the show a couple months ago, I think in September. It's a really good place to go check out what academics are thinking about the election. It's a, That's a really good resource there. And so they explored this notion of Shy Trumpers. So for folks in the UK or who have been following the UK election, there's been a theory that there were shy Tories, people who were reluctant to tell pollsters that they were going to vote a certain way. And so there was a theory that some of the polling misses uh in this election in some of the states in the public polling came from shy Trumpers, that there are people who were uh embarrassed to say that they were nervous or somehow reluctant, maybe not embarrassed, but reluctant for whatever reason to say that they were voting for Trump uh, to tell interviewers that. And so there were experiments about whether online was different than live calls. Were you less reluctant if you were not telling a single person you were just doing it online? Um, and that some inconsistent results here. But what these folks found, it's not so much that respondents were saying, no, I don't I'm not gonna tell this pollster how I'm voting. It's not that Trump voters were less likely to respond to the poll at all before they even were asked a question for whatever reason. That's an, another theory that others hold. Um, it's that they um were more likely to be undecided and needed extra pushing, extra questions to help figure out what column they would go to because they're initially we're going to say I'm undecided. So what did you think when you saw this?
0: Yeah. So this is exactly what Tony Fabrizio said two weeks ago, that what they were seeing was you had this chunk of voters who were undecided, but it was on other questions that they asked that you could get the sense these were going to be Trump voters, that the type of change they wanted was wrecking ball style change. If you want wrecking ball style change, Hillary Clinton was probably not going to be your candidate. So somebody didn't have to come out and say, yes, I'm a Trump voter. But everything else they were saying on the survey kind of pointed to, yeah, in the end, they're probably going to go for Trump. Um, And I think that it's important then to frame this as shy Trump People who didn't want to say they were voting for Trump, maybe because they felt it was socially undesirable, maybe because they just felt like, I don't feel like I should have to tell anyone who I'm voting for this. Like, why am I going to tell a media outlet who I'm voting for? Right. Which is, you know, completely something that you can see happening. That's very different from Trump voters weren't getting called or pollsters were intentionally not calling enough Trump Voters and things like that, right? Or That's Trump a,
1: voters are harder to find because you know they moved around a lot, or their phones—you know—they weren't likely to live in the same places where their phones said that they lived, or any of those kinds of things. Or yeah, they weren't the, likely to be in online panels, so therefore harder to find, right?
0: And and this is—I remember I got in trouble the day after the election because I said it seems to me that the big problem here was a lot of people who voted for Trump didn't say that they were voting for Trump. They wound up breaking that way later or just sort of not confessing that belief. Again, I'm not accusing people of lying to pollsters or saying, oh, well, we did our job, but people just lied to us. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we've got to ask more than just a ballot question to figure out where people are standing. And, you know, there was an article two days ago about the Clinton team and how every decision they made was based on the model, this model they had that was running... Um, an analytics program that they were they had where they were, you know, they were doing all of these interviews and feeding it back into the model. But these interviews were all, it was just the who are you voting for question. And so if you, the, and that's how you can then, that's the only question you're asking. And in many analytics surveys, it's one of the only questions you're asking. That's how you can get led astray.
1: Right. And we've spoken about this. And Tony Fabrizio, by the way, is the Trump pollster who was that's on right. our show couple weeks after the election, along with Clinton pollster, Joel, uh, Joel Benenson. So folks want to listen to that. It was a great show. Folks should take a listen. Um, Now, what I think this study did uh, that's in monkey cages, they uh, did a follow up. Who do you think is most honest or most trustworthy? And if you had to decide and that's just a function of the question wording, if you had to decide, who would you pick? Um, And so that pushes some of those undecideds in one way. And what was unique and Nate Silver's made this point is that this election had more undecideds Mm -hmm. for a longer time than other elections. There were more, you know, late breakers went to Trump also. So that's not even the undecided, but at the end, but late breakers in September and October uh, went to Trump. That's what the exit polls suggest. And when you have a lot of undecideds um, in down ballot races and congressional races, gubernatorial races, people often say, well, undecideds break toward the challenger. And if you are in this race, it's quite possible that people thought of Trump as the challenger and Clinton as the incumbent for all the obvious reasons, even though she was not technically the incumbent, but, you know, would be the incumbent party. So anyway, t- check that out. I think they're still the jury's still out on what exactly happened. It's definitely I think there's some merit to this theory. There may be some other theories or other v- places where some of the other theories play a role uh, have merit, too. But um, but this is also some definitely something to keep in mind. So. So
0: as of right now, uh, right before I headed in here, I just checked on what the current popular vote looks like. It looks like Hillary Clinton is now up by at least two percentage points. I think it's like two point one percent. A lot of ballots are pretty much in at this point. But I mean, there still continue to be. It's it's still not 100 percent settled yet. But uh, the question the PPP then put to voters and I always joke that PPP, they're my favorite troll pollster. You're always asking questions to, you know, I think sometimes make conservatives look bad, but, uh, you know, get press, <laughs> you know <laughs> to get, press to, to get, get press, press, to get press, to get press. This time they asked some questions that are pretty amusing about the Electoral College versus the popular vote. First, they asked people, do you think votes from California should be included in the national popular vote or not? Now, why wouldn't you count California in the national popular vote? That's like the silliest Has anybody actually proposed that? But nonetheless, here we are. We have this question. And 73% of people say, yes, California should be included in the national popular vote. They are not, as of yet, their own country. So, uh, and, but 15% of people said, yeah, I don't think we should count California. And when you look at the uh, cross tabs, you still do have a majority of Trump voters saying, yes, California should count. So, Wasn't the outrageous result that perhaps they were looking for? Maybe it's outrageous that three out of 10 Trump voters don't think California should count. But um, I I was I was like braced when I saw like, oh, PPP asked this question. Like, was it like 80 percent? They find 80 percent of Republicans think that California should be, you know, shipped off into the ocean. Come on, guys. But no,
1: no. But still, I mean, you know, three out of 10, but not zero. But but sometimes I wonder when
0: when pollsters do troll polls, do respondents troll us back?
1: Right. Well, <laughs> yes, I mean, or is it just you know there are folks who are going to answer the R leaning cat sure. category for every single question? You know, I mean, there was a theory many years, many months ago that respondents were trolling us all by saying they were voting for Donald Trump in the primary. That was not a troll. That they were not- they were not. No, that was not. That was not a troll. <laughs> they were not trolling. us. So, you know, so I so I don't know. Um, but then they had a couple other questions about sort of the election process. And they said, who do you think won the popular vote? You have a similar response there. 73 percent said Clinton, 20 percent said Trump. Um, Trump voters are almost divided 49 um, percent of Trump voters say Clinton won the popular vote. Forty percent say Trump won the popular vote. And this comes. Well, on, if you don't count California. Right. And this also comes <laughs> on the heels of Trump saying, well, there was, you know, some rigging. Millions of people were voting, you know, illegally that weren't supposed to. So it, it may be reflecting that it could, you know, it can't simply be misinformation. It's got to be some, you know, they, they've been hearing the, the thought that there's, uh, you know, there's a theory that perhaps Trump won the popular vote. So uh so there's something where you do see quite a few Republicans voting uh the other way. And then they have a question about the popular vote in general as a concept. Should the candidate who receives the most votes nationally in the election become for president become president versus they don't think the candidate who receives the most votes nationally? I hated this question. I don't wording. like this question either. I had beef with it big I, time. I agree.
0: Methodology beef. I, this is my weekly methodology beef. No, this question. I, I
1: agree, because it sounds like if you say you don't think that, that you actually think, no, I refuse, you know, in no case should the... I. If, if you
0: say, should it be the person, either the popular vote, which means you elect the person with the most votes nationwide... Or the Electoral College, right. Who won the states with the most right. electoral votes
1: right. nationwide. I mean, there's... That's, I think that would have been That's the more, choice. Or, you know, is it... Does it bother you that... X number of times somebody has won the popular vote, but not won the presidency. Like, you know, maybe that you could do that. Yeah. Right. But to say, I don't think the per- this is literally the, the response you <laughs> have to give. I don't think
0: the candidate who receives the most votes nationally in the election for president should become president. And frankly, 65 percent of Trump voters pick that option. So even though I'm like all up in arms like, oh, this is such a biased question, you still get two thirds of Trump voters who pick this.
1: Yeah response that (laughs) right because when it's like this people are just going to answer and whatever what do i think my side is supposed to say yeah that's it so anyway thumbs down to that one but um
0: is this our first 2020 poll that we're about to cover yeah this feels like a big moment
1: yes oh god I know
0: (laughs) it was quite you'd be be surprised I mean
1: you know it's too early uh, yet it was quite popular on our Facebook and Twitter feeds because it's 2020 so you know forget about the popular vote what's going to happen with 2020 on the Democratic side um Joe Mentum Yeah, Joe Mentum. So you have Joe Biden, uh, number one, at 31 percent. This is among Democratic primary voters only. And the list includes and they're given a list. Biden, Booker, Sherrod Brown, Julian Castro, Andrew Cuomo, Al Franken, Kirsten Gillibrand, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. I don't think Al Franken is, should be on this list. I don't think he, I would have put Amy Klobuchar on the list before Al Franken. But yeah. I
0: don't know. I don't know enough about what goes on inside Democrat land to know if that,
1: you know, I mean, from when we did our VP poll, Al Franken was very high on the list because he had this national hard ID that. You know, other folks don't yeah. have. Um, but you don't see that reflected here because he does not get uh, a lot. He gets three percent um, with Joe Biden getting about a third and Bernie Sanders getting 24 percent and Elizabeth Warren getting 16 percent. Uh, and then it's kind of goes to a second tier of Booker and the rest there. Um And then they have these other questions, which are kind of funny. And we have constantly complained about these questions where you're asking about like a demographic characteristic. And people are going to answer based on, you know, retrofitting it to the candidate they like. Right. So would you like somebody who's, you know, run for president before or someone who's never run for president before? So I'm sure the 25 percent who say they want someone who's run for president before are the 24 percent who support Bernie Sanders. Do
0: they know that Joe Biden has run for president before, like many times? Yes,
1: I don't know. Maybe maybe there's some mix there. I don't know. But um and then I I love this question. How old would you like the next Democratic candidate to be? Thirties, forties? Like 50s. my candidates
0: like a fine wine.
1: <laughs> As someone who takes care Very of aged. a ninety-year-old dad, I would just humbly suggest I would I would stay away from the nineties. Not a great plan. Not a good plan, you know, just in terms of like, you know, dexterity and stuff. But um but anyway, most people say 50s, a plurality, say 50s. So anyway, that's our first. Well, the
0: other thing that I think is interesting is this question they have on here about would you describe yourself as liberal, so, very liberal, somewhat liberal, moderate, somewhat conservative or very conservative because Democrats are going through the same thing that Republicans have been going through for the last eight or so years, which is, is our party a conservative party? Do we need to move to the right to get voters more excited or do we move to the middle? And what does that look like? And I was always a big proponent of, look, We do, you have maybe a third of our party that is very conservative. A lot of our voters are not hardcore conservatives. So if you move that direction, then do you leave your flank vulnerable? And Trump came in and was like, yeah, I'm not a conservative. And as Tony Fabrizio said, he collected votes from across the ideological spectrum. Right. Here, I think it's interesting that in this poll, only 23 percent of Democratic primary voters identified themselves as very liberal. Again, We are a polarized country, but I still don't think we are an ideological
1: country. Right. Right. And, you know, and there's still also a... You know, decades old reluctance to use the word liberal instead of progressive, instead yeah. of progressive. So I don't know. Progressive sometimes can be a little bit better here. You know, it came up in the primary. You know, I'm a progressive. Well, I'm a progressive who gets results or I'm, you know, of course I'm a progressive or I've always been a progressive and so on. So I, a progressive might have a different answer. But nonetheless, this is a standard ideological question that zillions of pollsters have been asking since the dawn of, polling. So um, meanwhile, so that's sort of how people are thinking about the what happened or what goes on next. There's a lot of polling out about um, the Trump transition and what people are making of, you know, who's got influence and what Trump is doing. And, you know, he's made a lot of news with all of his, you know, all of his meetings and his cabinet It picks. is
0: just like a reality show.
1: Right and and I don't even know that I dislike that fact. Like I I feel weird
0: about it, but like the fact that he's going on a date and are they going to get along? Yeah, who's who's he going to give the rose to in the end? They're making uh, marshmallows. Mitt Romney.
1: Mitt Romney did
0: not get a rose. (laughs) Did not get a rose. But I mean, you know that on the one hand it seems very unusual. On the other hand, it's fairly transparent. Isn't there like a live streaming camera in?
1: I don't... Practically. Trump Tower? I mean, that's what the Trump people are arguing, right? I mean, that's what Sean Spicer has been saying. So he's the RNC... spokesperson, I think that's his official title, kind of a front-runner for being um, the uh, press secretary. He's been saying, well, you know, conflict of interest means that it's not transparent and we're being transparent, which is not really what conflict of interest means, but that's his argument. And I saw Kelly Ann Conway, former guest co-host of The Pollsters, um, is one of her other titles. So she said something, I think, on Morning Joe and on Megan Kelly last night, too, uh, talking about how the process is very transparent. You have the video and the film of footage of all the you know the kids in the meeting so you know what's happening so that's you know and then there was a focus group that Peter Hart did that was on MSNBC a lot yesterday and I think you saw there that a lot of people were not particularly concerned about they weren't necessarily concerned about the Trump conflict of interest per se so but the polls maybe say something else I don't know I mean this is evolving last week's show we
0: found that Trump had gotten A a bump, a little bump, a bump comparable to other people. But he's already starting in sort of a a very deep hole that this election was so negative and so nasty and so many people disliked both candidates that even if he sees a 7 percent bump in his favorables, he's still not in great territory. He's not in Obama just got elected territory. He's not even in George W. Bush just got elected territory, you know, so it's. So he's is a tough road to road to go. And a lot of these questions about how you view the transition are viewed through a partisan lens. Surprise. So on these questions, you know, what type of um, Donald Trump becomes president? Do you think he will be making decisions mostly to further the interest of the American people or mostly to further the interest of his family and businesses? And half 50 percent of people overall say his decisions will be mostly about furthering the interest of the American people. That's not a lot. 44% say family and businesses Um, among Republicans, 86 to 11 people versus businesses for Democrats. It was only 20% think his first interest will be the people. 73% think his businesses and independents were fairly closely split, very narrowly leaning toward American people. So again, it's not, it's not as though 80% of Americans are like, oh no, what did we just do? He's going to further his business. He's still got a plurality of independents, a the vast, vast, vast majority of Republicans and one out of five Democrats who are like, yeah, he's probably going to he's probably looking out for the American people. Um,
1: and this is one of those issues that because the conventional wisdom was that Clinton was going to win, this did not get at that much coverage. I mean, there was massive there were massive amount of great reporting about Trump's businesses themselves and his charitable foundations and his, you know, his various histories in public life. Obviously, there's tons of great reporting. But what would happen if he became elected with his businesses? That was a little bit of a less covered topic area, uh, it seems to me. Um, and so I think people are also still getting to know what this means, but it's also very complicated. I mean, it's it's complicated to understand and think about all the different ways there are there could be conflicts and what that would mean yeah. to anybody's you know own interest. And most
0: people do view this as creating a conflict of interest. There's it's two separate questions on on this other question. They say, Donald Trump has extensive business relationships in the U.S. and in many countries around the world. Do you think his business relationships will create a conflict of interest that is likely to affect how he makes decisions as president or don't you? And here you have 59 percent saying, yes, there's a conflict of interest, a quarter of Republicans, 83 percent of Democrats and of independents say, yeah, there is a conflict of interest here. And it it is likely to in some way affect his decision making. But it's a much stronger statement to say that he's going to put his own business interests ahead of the American people. Right. And that's why you see on the one hand so many people saying, yes, this is a conflict of interest. But he still has half saying, but he's going to put the American people first.
1: Right. Right. And we had a question. We referred to a question last week that is not in this. This is a CBS by the way, but um, that had, uh, do you think it's okay for him to personally profit? And there people said it was okay, because that's a separate question. That's not about what that means for you, is it should he profit? And people are like, well, well, you know, why not? And so it it very much depends on how the question is worded. But it is clear that um, quite a few people... disapprove of how he's handling the transition. But as Steve Shepherd, also former guest on the show, has noted, a lot of that really has to do with Democrats. So there isn't a honeymoon among people who didn't vote for Trump who are like, well, you know, let's, you know, he's our guy and, you know, let's then this is something new and exciting. It doesn't seem like that's happening with most Democrats. Not to say it's not happening with some Democrats, but it's not happening with most Democrats. If you compare this is um I think this is USA Today or is this, uh, Gallup? This is Gallup, um, poll that showed 48 approve of the transition, 48 disapprove of the transition. Um, for Obama, it was 78 13 on his worst day. For W, it was 65 26. And for Clinton, it was sixty two fourteen.
0: And this and the numbers in the Gallup poll are very are somewhat similar to the McClatchy Marist poll, which asked the same question: Do you approve or disapprove of Donald Trump's handling of his transition? Forty nine percent of registered voters approve there. So again, you know, it's it's under half, which is not great compared to other presidents. But uh, this is it's a very uh, i I'm going to be surprised if I see good numbers for Trump on any front for a little while.
1: I mean, here's the other thing that is kind of funny. Twenty eight percent think he's doing better than expected in the transition. Fifty eight percent think he's doing about as expected and 10 percent say worse. And I wonder what the dem- demographic breakouts are there, because you could very easily be a Democrat and say like, yeah, no, he's doing you know? America's
0: still standing, so it, it, exceeds expectations. Well, no, you know? he's
1: you know he's nominating the folks who are you know like him and you know exactly. And I disagree with them, so it's exactly That's how exactly I what I thought. Yeah, um, it doesn't mean you think you know he's doing a great job. Exactly, you know, necessarily. So, um, but some other th- stories. So. There's a lot of stuff going on with all these other stories that may also be affecting how people view the transition. There's the Russia story and the impact that Russia may have had on the election. There's, you know, lingering talk of, of fake news. Um, there's now sort of the charges or fake news is now like whatever people don't agree with that day. That evolution didn't take very long. You know, now people are just sort of pointing fake news, even as a joke on Twitter, like, oh, that's fake news. Um, You know, what's your favorite holiday movie? This. Okay, that's fake news, you know, that kind of thing. So, what do you think when you see the polls on how, and we spoke about this last week also, how Republican, there are some issues that are being scrambled in the partisan. Oh, yeah. World and maybe views toward Vladimir Putin may be, you know, one of the most clear examples of that.
0: Yeah. So there uh YouGov did some polling on favorability toward Vladimir Putin and favorability toward WikiLeaks and found that if you asked people about uh, about uh, three ish years ago, um, you found not a lot of people liked WikiLeaks. Um, and yet now you are finding that uh, Democrats significantly, significantly less likely to say they are favorable to WikiLeaks now than they were in June of 2013. At the same time, Republicans went from negative 47 to positive 27. Funny that. Funny that. (laughs) Um, And then on Vladimir Putin, do you have a favorable or unfavorable opinion of Vladimir Putin? Overwhelmingly, people are all unfavorable to him. Among Clinton voters, 80% unfavorable. Among Trump voters, only 51% unfavorable. So wild stuff is happening. The Cold War Party Reagan, guys, guys. I'm just
1: saying. Yeah. See numbers like these just they think they, they freak me out. I mean, 35% of Trump voters are favorable to Vladimir Putin. I mean, that's, you know. But again, if if
0: if as you mentioned, if people are just looking at this through like the partisan lens and they don't know you they couldn't tell you where Crimea is on a map, right? Like but they say well, but everybody says that Putin likes Trump and Putin's helping Trump and I like Trump. So I guess I like Putin, mm-hmm. you know, right. like explaining to people like, oh, there is this tragedy that is occurring and has occurred in Aleppo and the Syrian government, which is backed by, Putin, you know, like there's there are layers of horror that I think for a lot of people, they're just like, oh, well, I like Trump and Putin likes Trump. So I guess I like Putin.
1: But then, though, youGov—I mean, I'm sure that's true for some folks, right? But there—but if you look at more youGov data among Trump voters, they're very similar to Americans overall. Do you think Russia is a friend or enemy of the United States? Twenty-eight percent of Trump voters say ally or friend is twenty-one percent of Americans overall. It's not that different. Now, what do you do? You think is frenemy an option? <laughs> Well, apparently, yes. So, um, But then this, there's a separate question. Do you think Trump considers Russia to be a friend or enemy of the United States? And again, Trump voters are not that different from voters overall. All Americans, about majority, 54% of all Americans say Trump is an ally of Russia or considers Russia to be an ally or a friend. 47% of Trump voters think that Trump considers Putin to be an ally or friend. So there are Trump voters who say Russia is not an ally, but Trump considers them to be an ally. So it's not all just, you know, the friend of my friend is my friend. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, so the other big issue then, uh, sort of moving on to some healthcare stuff. Um and we'll just touch on this real briefly is The Affordable Care Act, one of those things that came up in the election, uh, has been coming up in politics pretty much since the Affordable Care Act passed. Um, Republicans are now in a position where they're, you know, they've been talking about repeal of the ACA forever. The dog has caught the car. Now they've they they've got to do it because they've been telling their voters forever that they're going to do it. And turns out doing it is complicated. Right. Um, So. This is some polling, uh, the Kaiser Family Foundation's health tracking poll. They've been doing studies on what people think about healthcare and the ACA all along. Incredible resource. Um, here you have majorities who are favoring many key ACA provisions, but not the individual mandate. And this is the huge, huge, huge problem Republicans are going to face, because it's one thing to say, I'm going to repeal Obamacare. And then people go, well, but I like that my kid can stay on my insurance until they're 26. But I like that there's no out-of-pocket costs for some of these preventative services. But I like that I can't just be dropped because of a pre-existing condition. And so the problem is you've now had Republicans saying, great, we're going to repeal all this stuff about Obamacare that you hate, and we're going to keep all the stuff about Obamacare that you like.
1: But how are you going to pay for it?
0: <laughs> and the law doesn't really work. It's like it, you can't—it's you, like a Jenga tower, and you start pulling the wrong blocks out, and the whole thing falls even worse than it's, you know, I mean, and so this it's polls like this and responses like this that are what Republican lawmakers are looking at and trying to figure out, Okay, what blocks as we're taking up blocks from this Jenga tower, how do we keep public opinion on our side, which is different than how do you make the policy work? Um, But here you have 85 percent of people favorable toward young adults staying on their parents insurance plans until 26, 83 percent positive about eliminating out of pocket costs for preventative services. 80% positive about providing financial help to low and moderate income Americans who don't get insurance through their jobs to purchase insurance. Um, But then requiring nearly all Americans to have health insurance or pay a fine, only 35% positive on that. And the problem is, I mean, I don't want to quibble too much with question wording, but you know, none of these are explaining why these are parts of the law, right? Or what the cost would be. Okay. So you can have 83% saying, oh, I love that it eliminates out-of-pocket costs for preventative services. But like money ain't free. Like Things are being paid for somehow. So, you know, sure, I love free stuff. We'll always get pulled at 80 plus percent. At the same time, something that says like, you have to do something or you pay a fine. Who likes that? But if you don't explain, well, if you don't have this mandate, then only sick people buy insurance, which makes insurance crazy expensive and makes the whole thing fall apart. This is the problem when you poll policy. You can get people to say what they like and don't like, but it's hard to give the
1: whole picture of, what it all really means in practice, right? And especially with something as complicated as healthcare, and this is a polling question, and is an important polling f- topic because there are lots of issues like this, and they all, for they, I, I'm, I'm sure you can think of another one uh, that it benefits Republicans, but the, you know, there are several issues where Democrats ha- are on the back foot on the like, do you support? x or y are you do you favor or oppose this or that and democrats you know do a little don't do as well on the folks on the left and then you say okay well here are the 10 things that x has and you know nine out of ten of them are you know super popular super popular but you know nobody other than the people taking this poll you know are going to have those 10 things at the ready when they think about do they favor x or y so that's true when you're talking about um Gun stronger gun laws, which I've spoken about at length before, where people may oppose stronger gun laws, but if you give them examples of all kinds of stronger gun laws, they're like, well, I support that, and I support that, I support that. Uh, S- Common Core would be an example of another one where people say they're not sure about Common Core. When you give some examples of what's included or not included as part of Common Core, different features of it, those are more popular. So I
0: like high standards, but right. I don't want the federal government telling my kid what they need to eat for lunch, you know, like right. it's... <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. So. Um, so anyway, so th- this is a, a, a and it's a challenge for Democrats. What we think about ourselves, the sort of, you know, sad trombone for Democrats is that we spend a lot of time talking about policy when people want to hear I'm going to build a wall and make America great. Hey, again. That's a
0: policy. And, and I'm going to build a wall is a policy. But there's
1: not a lot of like, you know, detail fleshed out in that. Right. So. So this is an example of one of those things. Now, that said, if Republicans now are in charge of this and they look at the favor pose on Obamacare, which bounces around, you know, uh, repeal versus, not repeal. I mean, these questions bounce around. They're, they're, they're not great for the law, but you know, they're not overwhelmingly negative, but they're definitely not overwhelmingly positive. They bounce around depending on what kind of
0: questions you ask. Well, there's, there's an interesting question that Gallup's been asking for a while that gives us an interesting hint about what could happen if in a post-Obamacare world. So Republicans are saying, oh, we need to go more toward private insurance. And there are some folks on the left saying, you know, the problem with Obamacare is that it still gave too much To private insurers and private companies, and we need to move more towards single payer, which is sort of like a Bernie Sanders type argument. Um, So here, Gallup's been asking for a while, you know, which of the following approaches for providing healthcare in the United States would you prefer? A majority, 53 percent, pick a system based on private insurance compared to only 43 percent that pick a government run system. But that's actually a really narrowing of the gap compared Mm -hmm. to just two years ago when private insurance was beating, you know, government-run system by a lot. And right. frankly, I mean, government-run system. It's not
1: really the—it's the, not how we would re- I was going to say, I, that's—
0: That's certainly how my side of the aisle would talk about it. But I don't know about you. I don't know that you guys would call it a government-run system, even if it was. (laughs) I
1: think the internal Democratic briefings on this, the slide would not say, "Okay, new name, everybody, government-run system. (laughs) (laughs) applaud. (laughs) (laughs) It's not really how we would do it. Um, Maybe if Frank Luntz came and did his, you know, if he did it to our side, that's what you say. But um, so I, you know, the other uh poll that I, I you know we ended up not including because it was from may but is perhaps relevant is they asked you know do you want to repeal or not repeal ACA and then there was a follow up question like what kind of things would you like or a second type of question so you could ask people what they wanted separately from repeal or keep the same and there was a quarter of americans who said they want to repeal and what they wanted it replaced with is you know a government funded system where everybody got you know it was guaranteed insurance all paid for by the government basically Medicare for all type of type Mm -hmm. of thing. So, um, so, you know, that's a little bit different than what the conventional wisdom is when you hear people say repeal. Um, So that's going to be, you know, that's going to be tricky. I mean, that was the beginning I, I mean, I don't want to say that at the beginning, but it, it was a big moment in escalating the political tensions that we have now, um, where you had members of Congress during the Obamacare fight, going home to town halls and people shouting at him. It was, you know, there was a Starbucks ad that referred to it. I mean, there was I mean, it was a big moment. So I don't think a lot of people are looking forward to reliving any of that. Um, ditto. Medicare is another question too, that's something that Paul Ryan spent a lot of time indicating. And there was a morning console poll about Medicare and should it continue as it is today or should it be changed. And they give a pretty elaborate Definition. I, I thought it was pretty fair how they phrase this Medicare should continue as it is today with the government providing health insurance and guaranteeing the same set of benefits to everyone versus Medicare should be changed to a system which people choose their insurance from private health care plans. That may offer different benefits at different premium uh, amounts. And the government pays a fixed amount, sometimes called a voucher toward that cost. They oh. don't call it premium support, but they call it a voucher. Which yep. I think it's a pretty fair. I, I, I agree. And a majority there say Medicare should continue as it does today. But the opportunity here for Republicans is that the most support for keeping it the same are with older voters, younger voters are far more open. To something 18 new. to
0: 29 year olds, a very near, I mean, it's, it's basically it's basically tied. tied between the two options where when you go up to 65 plus, you know, 67 percent of senior citizens want to keep it the same. Only 19 percent want to do premium support. So This is the tough politics of it is the people who are benefiting from the programs now don't want to change them. The people who are young know you might need to do something to change them. Right. And
1: but Yeah. And so that's true. It was the louder constituency. Right. And the other but the other thing, too, ultimately, when these things happen, I suspect people who are currently over 65 would not immediately get into a new program.
0: Right. And so that's, you know, one of the things that is never is always advocates of reform are always saying this wouldn't affect current retirees. But like you have to start doing these reforms now or else every year you wait to do any kind of reform, you do do start getting closer to having to harm retirees uh in order to like make the numbers work so uh,
1: anyway let's talk about christmas (laughs) (laughs) instead of
0: america's impending entitlement crisis (laughs) let's talk about presents yes
1: yes (laughs) so i like this poll it's this poll has been regifted i don't even think this poll is brand new and
0: let's be clear we are a show called The Pollsters. We are committed to bringing you highly quali- high-quality, thoroughly vetted polling data from trusted polling partners. But not in
1: our final segment.
0: But in our final segment, we today bring you a poll from creditdonkey.com. <laughs> I don't think I would trust... I don't even know what the universe is that they're surveying here. <laughs> I just see a pie chart and a question that amuses me. So
1: right, and it's, let's go with and it. And it. it's not new. Because we were like we were looking at this at the office and I was like when's this from they're like oh actually i'm like doesn't don't, i don't, I don't it, care. we don't know <laughs> we don't know when this is from who it's who it's done by and who they spoke to or how
0: they need <laughs> creditdonkey.com has not signed up for the APOR transparency <laughs> initiative
1: that's for darn sure but the results nonetheless <laughs> seem good to say seem good to us they check it checks out what can what can we say is it okay to receive a gifted gift yes 83% say yes. Have you ever regifted to, a gift to you to give to somebody else? Just 34% say yes.
0: Hmm. Got shy regifters going on in this poll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, guys. Women mm-hmm.
1: are more likely to have regifted than men. That's not surprising because they're usually in charge of all the gifts. Have you ever received a suspected regifted gift? There it's 50 50. I wonder if I, I – I'm sure I have. This is, And some, I'm sure I've done it.
0: I'm sure I've done it and I'm sure I've received
1: one. I've definitely done it. It's not one of my most endearing traits to my husband. He is an excellent gift giver and I, I'm i not. Like I was going to say, like it's just not my – like I enjoy doing things for other people. I don't enjoy the sort of process of like finding the gift and packaging and writing the card and sealing the card and, you know, all that like the, – I don't want to do all that. That's now it's I'm exhausted. The context in
0: which I'm pretty sure that I have regifted is a regifting without realizing it situation. Like this is a fear I have. Anytime I go to my fr- a friend's house for a party or something. So you always show up with wine, right? Like, Oh, Hey, thanks for having me over. And you yes. bring a bottle of wine. Well, there have been a handful of times my husband and I have been, okay, everybody come over for a party and people will bring wine and we'll end up with like 15 bottles of wine. I'm like, I don't drink that much wine. Good Lord. And so we'll put them away in the little, you know, like rack thing. And then two or three months will pass and I'll be like, oh, we're going over to so-and-so's house. We got to bring a bottle of wine. And I'll just run over to the rack and I'm like, uh, I don't know which ones of these are ones that we've bought or okay. And I'll just grab one. And I'm always terrified. I'm going to walk into somebody's house and literally just bring them back the bottle of wine that they just gave me.
1: Yeah. Wow. And
0: not have a good explanation for it. That's
1: like number 80,000 on my list of things that worry me is regifting somebody's bottle of wine. (laughs) See,
0: it's also low on my list. But my list is very extensive of the things that I worry about. <laughs> it takes up a little piece of worry in my brain. So, so
1: regifting kids, <laughs> toys, and presents, that's a very... Like, you have a... You know, you get a present, and then you have a birthday party a month later, and... It's all good. You know, everyone's just passing little boxes of plastic and yarn and sparkles to each other. It's totally fine.
0: <laughs> sounds like fun. That sounds like fun.
1: It's all good. Everybody, everybody knows that everybody's doing Well, it. feel
0: free to, everybody, give, re-gift this gift of the pollsters episode. Tell your friends, even though you've already listened to it. That's right. It's okay. You can share it with that's, others.
1: That's right. So we have some key findings. So who said it? Kanye or Trump? I'm too busy writing history to read it. Um, Trump, Kanye, <laughs> Oh, I was going to say,
0: <laughs> but almost, I almost made a joke about Newt Gingrich, but he definitely reads tons of history. Right. So that would not have been but, a new,
1: but Trump did say like I'm a new versus smart. Kanye,
0: by the way, is a very oh, fun, that that's good. a very fun that game would to be play. Good.
1: But Trump, um, but Trump did say like, I'm too smart for the briefings or something like that. So it's not that far off. Right. Okay. Who said it? Michelle Obama cannot Instagram a pic like my girl Instagrammed the other day. I mean, that's got to be Kanye. But I did stop for a moment. Yeah, they're both Kanye. So, <laughs> <laughs> But they were still entertaining. OK, uh, Trump, Putin, Obamacare, Medicare. We're still sorting out the polling winners and losers. It is not clear totally yet. But The Polls show regifting is good. So we won't be regifting next week, but we will be regifting a show the week between Christmas and New Year's. So new listeners, tune in next week. After that, you might get a regifted show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at, at The Pollsters. Individually, we're at Margie O'Meiro and at Soltis Anderson at www.thepolsters.com Find links to polling resources we think are interesting. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. Throughout the week, we'll post links to stories we find interesting and might be talking about on the upcoming show. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher. We love to hear from you. We love when you write reviews. Uh, Make sure you uh, are telling all of your friends about the show because now we've got a brand new partner. So big things ahead for the pollsters.
1: Thanks. Bye.